Hi, it's Karen here. I'm owner and founder of Bed and Breakfast Academy, providing training, ongoing support and community for aspiring and existing B&B owners. In this week's podcast, I'm going to talk about whether running a B&B is the right business for you and how to work out for yourself whether it is or not. Running a B&B may well be your dream business. It means you can work from home, be your own boss, have more time for your families, your hobby, your pets, your friends. It might mean you can live in your dream place by the sea or in the countryside and meet new and interesting people. It sounds perfect, doesn't it? However, owning a B&B is a business like any other small business and it isn't for everyone. And for it to be a success and for you to enjoy running it, you really need to get clear on a few things first. So in this podcast, I'll walk you through deciding whether it really is the right business for you or not. I ran a B&B for over 17 years and I made an awful lot of mistakes along the way. I set up Bed and Breakfast Academy, my training courses, and started writing my blog to help other new B&B owners avoid these same often expensive mistakes. Just don't get me started on the sisal carpets and the chenille headboards. I thought that the sisal carpet would be a really good carpet for the B&B. It's hard wearing, it's quite a dark colour, wouldn't show dirt. What I didn't realise is with the natural carpets you can't actually wash them. Which isn't great uh, for a B&B carpet. And one of the real disadvantages of them is if you get anything wet on them, it stays in the carpet and uh, there's just no getting it out. I had one guest, it was pouring down with rain and this guest arrived and he decided to hang his coat up at the bottom of the stairs and a great pool of water dripped onto the carpet on the stairs and we never got that out. That pool of water was there for ever onwards, well, until we got rid of that very expensive carpet. And as for the chenille headboards, when I first opened my B&B, I had zip and link beds, thinking they would provide some flexibility for guests. I actually got rid of the zip and link beds because most of my guests were coming and wanting uh, the super king size bed, uh, but that's an aside. But with the zip and link beds, it can be quite difficult working out how you're going to get a headboard that works with uh, a bed which is both in the twin configuration and also set up as a super king size. So I decided to go with these rectangular headboards and got them covered in a chenille fabric. Unfortunately, to be a bit indelicate here, the chenille of people sitting up in bed and had less than clean hair, as most people do in the morning before they've had a shower, it would just get grease all over their headboard and it just became very difficult to clean them. Those are just a couple of the expensive mistakes I've made. Some of very many mistakes. I just want to talk about whether running a bed and breakfast might be the right business for you or not. So running a B&B is so much more than just being a job, but it's a 24-7 lifestyle. How many jobs uh, that you can think of actually involve having your customers sleeping in the room next to yours and then having to be polite to them over breakfast? You can't leave it behind in the office at the end of the day or the weekends or very difficult to call in sick if, if there's just one of you. I, I ran the B&B on my own. My husband worked away during the week. He had nothing to do with the, the B&B. Luckily, there was only one incident in 17 years where I was too ill to work. Uh, and that's uh, actually, I had a norovirus, had a stomach upset. 
And it's actually illegal to handle food if, if you have a stomach upset and you aren't meant to start serving, preparing uh, food till 48 hours after your last symptom. So anyway, that means you, you it's very difficult <laughs> to provide breakfast. Luckily, it was a weekend and luckily my husband was home and he agreed to do the breakfast. He'd come home just after I started feeling ill. So I'd quarantined myself at one end of the house and he was at the other in another bathroom in another bedroom. And it was quite funny because he, he came up to me from a distance and sort of shouted through, right, the guests have ordered ed- eggs Benedict. How do I poach an egg? And how do I make hollandaise? But he did it. He got through and the guests came back. I, I have been ill whilst I've been running a B&B, colds and viruses and things, and just had to keep working because there was no one else to cook the breakfasts. Because a B&B is so integral and with you all, day-to-day life that's why it's so important to understand what you want from it and to create the right B&B that meets your needs as well as the needs of your guests okay I know there aren't many jobs and careers these days that don't have some sort of impact on your life outside of work you might work long hours have to go away on business trips answer your work mobile and do emails at the weekend but there are very few jobs where your home life and work are as entwined as they are in a bed and breakfasts. Guests will be with you at times when most people with a nine to five job would normally be resting from work, weekends, evenings and during holidays. It's very easy to focus on all the positive aspects of running a B&B and there are many. Claire in the podcast we recorded a couple of weeks ago said she wouldn't swap this lifestyle for anything. But you also need to make sure that you've taken time to think about how running a B&B will impact your lifestyle and your family. I thought it'd be useful to start with talking about what makes a good bed and breakfast. And we've probably all stayed at some amazing B&Bs and others that we couldn't wait to leave. So there's I walked in Stratford-on-Avon as part of the theatre package, the one with the, the twin beds, a folding vinyl door and a toilet at the end of the corridor. And then there was one we stayed at in America, and I have to say, the breakfast was so bad, we made an excuse about having to leave really early on on our last day. I think a good bed and breakfast is one that meets the requirements and expectations of the individual guest at that point in time. So when I'm visiting my daughter in London, I'm more than happy with the Premier Inn. I just want somewhere close to the tube so I can go and meet her, one that's got a comfy bed, uh, an ensuite bathroom, no more toilets at the end of the corridor for me, thank you very much, and a good strong shower, and possibly one with toiletries because I, I travel light when I go down on the train to see her. But if we're going away for uh, a relaxing weekend away in the country or by the sea, I'd expect uh, something a bit more luxurious with a few more extras and it's an experience unlike the premier in which is very basic. While bed and breakfasts vary widely in style, price and type, um, there are really some basics that every B&B needs to get right. The first one is a comfortable bed. We've had so many holidays ruined abroad by uncomfortable beds. In, in one Italy, we slept on the floor in the bedroom. The bed, the bed was so uncomfortable. 
and there was one in France, amazing views over, over the valley. Was a, the bedroom had a terrace, but the bed was one of the so soft and dipped and we, we met in the middle. The other important element of a, a good B&B is a functioning bathroom. So that probably means a, 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 a good shower. Uh, and a loo, of course. Very basic level, every B&B needs to be clean, no matter what the quality. And most B&Bs, you'd expect uh, a welcoming host. I know with Airbnb, there's a move towards self-check-in and that sort of thing, so that may not be as important for you. But if, if you're running that sort of traditional B&B where meeting the host is all part of the experience, then someone who's welcoming and friendly is very important. A good, well-prepared breakfast, a good customer service, being able to address issues when things go wrong, and location. So getting those basics right is a great step in the right directions. But there are other things you may not have thought about that can have a negative impact on the way you run your B&B. And you want to make it as easy as possible on yourself from the start. One of the most important elements for a B&B is the location and for many the proximity to the amenities they want. We live in a very beautiful rural area with stunning views and guests will sit or would sit there over breakfast and comment on the amazing views and they'd say they couldn't have had a better place to sit and eat breakfast and then mark us down on location usually because we don't have a pub or restaurant within walking distance or they didn't like the bendy roads to get to us or we were 10 miles from Ludlow. I I got very grumpy once when someone gave me a two out of five on location. He was one of these people who commented on how amazing the views were um, and what a beautiful place the B&B was in. But he gave us two out of five for location because he needed to be in Shrewsbury, which was 22 miles away from where we are, which is hardly my fault that he didn't check our location carefully enough when he booked online. Shropshire's a very big county. It's really important to know what your target market's requirements are for a location. You know, it's uh, like the Field of Dreams, the, the Kevin Costner movie. It's probably not a case of build it and they will come. If you're moving to set up or buy an existing B&B, you're in a good position because you can choose somewhere that will meet your your potential guest's criteria for a well-located B&B. Obviously, if you're setting up in an existing home, you've got no control over the location. And if there are disadvantages where you are, you'll need to look and see what you can do to make your B&B more attractive to potential guests. So I've gone through quite quickly there about what makes a, a good bed and breakfast we can go and we go into that in much more detail in the course, but that just covered the basics. Another thing to consider is what makes a good bed and breakfast owner. Every B&B owner is unique. We all bring our own personalities to the business. But like a good B&B, there are certain attributes a B&B owner needs to, to have, which improves their chances or improves your chances of running a successful B&B. I think one of the most important things is that you like people. People have told me they run a B&B and they don't like people, but I can't imagine that makes it a very enjoyable occupation. You need to be able to anticipate your guest needs, put people at ease, be friendly, but not over-friendly. You need to know when guests want to be on their own and not chat to you. You need to be thick-skinned, but not too thick-skinned. What do I mean by this? I think it's important that 
if you have criticism, you have bad reviews, that you don't take it too personally. But at the same time, if you don't take anything personally, you're too thick-skinned, you may stop caring about the business. I don't think I've explained that too well, but hopefully you get what I'm talking about there. You need to be able to remain calm when things go wrong. I can tell you after 17 years of running a B&B that things will go wrong no matter how well prepared you are for things. You need to be a problem solver for when those things go wrong. You need to be tolerant and patient. You need to be healthy and fit, good at cleaning and house proud, organised with good time management skills. And if you're providing a cooked breakfast, you uh, need to be a good cook. There are also many more practical skills such as laundry, gardening, marketing, IT, DIY and more. And we go into these in much more detail in the course. Running a B&B is like running any other small business. It requires that whole variety of different skills. And your first step before committing to running a bed and breakfast is to decide if you have those skills and if you don't, how will you go about training for them or buy them in? It's also worth noting that even if you possess a certain skill, that doesn't mean you enjoy doing it. So I'm quite good at cleaning, but I hate it. So as soon as I could afford it, I paid someone else to do as much of the cleaning as possible for me. And believe me, there is a whole lot of cleaning when you run a bed and breakfast. So you can buy skills, but that might uh, buy in skills such as cleaning. Or I had a B&B and a friend who actually paid someone to come and cook the breakfast because she, she just really didn't enjoy cooking. In the podcast I, I recorded with Claire of the schoolhouse uh, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about Claire and Dave had dis- very much decided they wanted to set up a B&B from scratch because they wanted to create something that was unique, to put their own stamp on it, a total control over what they were creating. I don't think you can say it's better to buy an established B&B or set one up from scratch. It's like many aspects involved in going to business for yourself. There's, there's no black and white answer here. It depends on your personal circumstances, your finances, your personality, your approach to risk and your business goals. I have written a blog post about that, pros and cons of setting up a B&B versus buying from scratch, and you can find that on the blog. You need to do your research before you uh, start running a B&B. It's not a cheap business, whether you're buying a B&B or setting one up. So you need to do your research very thoroughly to ensure you're not about to make a very expensive mistake. If you're having to borrow money to acquire your business, you're going to have to prove to the lender that it will be a viable business and that you can keep up on the loan repayments. And you probably also want to prove to yourself that you're going to make enough money. You should never set up a B&B based on guesswork or assumptions. Mortgage lenders will need to see evidence that your plans and ideas are based on facts and that they're backed up with figures rather than just wishful thinking. You may have fallen in love with a beautiful property in a remote, undiscovered location and assume that you just have to set up a B&B and guests will arrive in their droves. But is this really the case? We live in a very beautiful area here in Shropshire. We bought Hopton House because we wanted to live here rather than because um, it was the best location for business. And it's been hard work over the years uh, marketing the B&B Shropshire's an undiscovered county 
we're quite a long way from any local towns. We're a long, we're three miles from the local pub. It's taken a lot of marketing over the years to build up a, a good, strong repeat business. So do some research and then do some more. And the more research you do, the more chance you have of creating or buying a successful B&B that's going to help you achieve your goals. Even if you're buying an existing business, you still need to do your research. You'll need to know why the current owners are selling, what the occupancy figures are, what sort of guests are they attract, what their turnover is, what their expenses are and how much profit they make. One of the really important things to do before you even think about setting up or buying a B&B is to get very clear on your reasons for wanting to run one. And I've heard many reasons for people wanting to run a B&B over the years. One person told me they wanted to run a bed and breakfast so they could find themselves a husband, which is quite unusual. Others have more common reasons such as wanting to live in a beautiful part of the countryside or to work for themselves. Being very clear on your why should help you in the decision of where and what type of B&B you run and if you should really be running a B&B at all. I was once uh, told by someone on my course that they wanted to run a bed and breakfast so they could afford to live by the sea and they wanted to spend their afternoon surfing. They were planning to set up a six-room B&B on their own and weren't planning to hire any staff. Now, it's absolutely not my job to tell people whether running a B&B is the right move for you or not. Um, that's what the first module in my B&B course is all about, is getting very crystal clear on, on what it involves running a B&B. But I did have to break it to this person that running a busy three-room B&B on my own was a full-time job. And even had I owned a wetsuit or lived near the sea, there would have been no time for surfing all afternoon. It was full time. Your why could be generating a main income. It could be living in a beautiful place, spending more time with your partner or family. And if there are two or more of you starting up a bed and breakfast together, then it's really important that you understand everybody's whys for wanting to run a B&B and they're in sync. If your partner's why is so they can spend every afternoon on the golf course, leaving you to do all the cleaning, shopping and waiting in for the guests, you might need to have a serious chat. As well as having an impact on the sort of B&B you want to run and where you run it, your why for running a bed and breakfast will also have an impact on how you run the B&B and the boundaries you set. It's important to get clear what sort of B&B you dream of owning because there are so many different types of B&Bs these days. There are cheap and cheerful B&Bs, there are hostels, there are luxurious high-end charge a lot of money B&Bs and the type of B&B you run will dictate the type of guests you have coming to stay. For example, you may want to run a luxury B&B, you'll be able to charge more but your guests will have higher expectations and it will cost you more to keep up those standards. A family B&B may be more relaxed, but then you need to make sure it's safe for children and you need, may need to be more flexible around family times and not get upset about the sorts of things that will happen when children are involved, such as Coca-Cola spilt on the floor, felt tip on the walls, children crying in the night, that sort of thing. 
running a and b for walkers, as another example, on a long distance path means you might have to be flexible about check-in times. If, if they're walking from one B&B to the next and they arrive at two o'clock and you're the only thing to do in the area, you, you can hardly leave them standing outside on the doorstep to your check-in time. You'll probably have to provide an evening meal, do an early breakfast and allow for one night stays. So as you can see, the type of B&B that you run will have a big impact on your lifestyle and the type of life that you're able to lead. And we go into that in much more detail in the course. It's also worth thinking about, as well as the type of B&B that you want to run, what sort of B&B owner do you want to be? So again, if you stayed in a lot of different B&Bs, there's a lot of different types of B&B owners out there. I did some judging once for Visit Cheshire for their B&B of the Year Award. And I went to see quite a few different B&Bs. And the first one I went to, I was welcomed at the car, big warm smile, taken in, offered tea and cake, very uh, friendly and informal. And then I went to one a bit later in the day and it was very formal. Could see them standing behind the door it was a glass door but they didn't come out to the car they waited for me to knock and they were very formal and sat me down so there's there are as many different types of b&b owner as there are b&b's some b&b owners are casually dressed welcoming you warmly with homemade tea and cake like the like the lady i talked about earlier some may give you a big hug some may be more formal one of the more formal B&B owners once gave me such a telling off on social media because I admitted that I answered the door to my guests in slippers. Now, I, when I first started out, I, I did used to, before guests arrived, I'd have a shower and I'd get, because I'd been cleaning all day, and then I'd, I'd, I'd get dressed up all smartly. And it got to a point where I think, well, actually, I just want to be me. And, and me is quite scruffy, in jeans uh, and quite casual. I think it's important to be authentic and be true to yourself as a B&B owner. You do have to be very tolerant and often polite to guests even when you don't feel like it. Welcoming strange people into your home, the majority of guests are lovely, but some people have different ideas uh, about the, the way they li live life. They might have different politics. They may have different views on things. So you, you do need to be tolerant and not get into um, any arguments with guests. Brexit was particularly hard for me at that point, I have to say. Knowing who your ideal customer is, is also key to running a successful B&B. So once you know who your ideal guest is, you can create and run a B&B experience that matches their requirements, uh, their expectations, their dreams of a stay. You'll have B&B guests who love your business. They'll write you great reviews, recommend you to their friends and keep coming back. The type of guest you'll be welcoming has direct impact on the type of B&B you run and the type of B&B you run has a direct impact on the type of guest you will welcome. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We're just about to come to the end now. I have actually got a free download which walks you through some exercises on everything I've been talking about today and you'll find that below in the show notes. If you're at the point where you think you're ready to set up or start your own B&B, 
do check out the online VB course, which goes into a lot more detail about all the things I've talked about today. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.